0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero on this Monday. Wow, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Wow, what a powerful day. Matt, thanks for joining us again on this Monday, my friend.
1: Great to be here, Terry. Thanks for having me with
0: you. Oh, are you kidding? I've, I've only had you with me for about 25 years about sharing the gospel, <laughs> so it seems quite appropriate that you're here. Matt, uh, today we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, but one of them is about expiation uh, what is reparation and how we can unite our sufferings in a very powerful way for Holy Mother the Church which is in crisis we've all talked about that also I'm gonna shock people and tell you 40 million people in America have left uh, organized religion in the last 25 years that's a lot of people what's that all about well we're gonna talk about that too and also I want to I want to just give you an update the uh, Sound of Freedom film, which I watched and I was moved by, obviously, like millions of people have, uh, they have their uh, dates for the international market now. So this uh, movie is really reaching out to people about the evils of of uh, child, child trafficking, trafficking yeah. but it's all tied into, uh, you know, the pornography industry. It's all tied into the culture of pleasure. Uh, When it comes to contraception, this is all being fed by not understanding the true role of our sexuality. So we we, the Catholic Church have the answer to that. So there you go. Also, I wanted just to mention a couple things. We have our Fulton Sheen uh, event coming up on the 14th of October, a day with Sheen. Matt, you're going to be there. I'll be there. Mm -hmm. The doctor will be there who's doing his dissertation on the world's first love, which is a devotion to Mary, and we're going to be talking about how can we help get Bishop Sheen uh, his uh, his beatification moving again. So we want to get that mm-hmm. movement going. Also, re- just really quick, coming up, we've got a rosary rally set coming with um, in in uh, Ohio with Jim Caviso. We got Abby Johnson and other uh, people like General Michael Flynn. Uh, for, Catholics, uh-huh. for Catholics for Catholics are putting this event on we're a sponsor of it and um, you know it's uh, we're trying to stop what's happening in Ohio to state the Supreme Court screening saying that that abortion is a legal right which is crazy but that's why the mm-hmm. people are coming to pray the rosary which I think makes well, that, sense that's the fun. thing
1: you know I think we both mentioned this when uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, they just sent it back to the states, which means that we have to fight this battle at least 50 more times.
0: State, yep. I agree. And I wanted to uh, just mention, this is going to be, a, we're, we're going to have an explanation. You're going to want to hear this from what Matt has to say myself regarding what a Catholic response can be to the problems in the church that I think is really profound. And it comes down to our our spirituality. So, but before we do all of that, uh, Matt, would you please be kind enough to read the Gospel of the Day for us, please? Sure. Let me me call that up quick. Yep. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 35.
1: Yes. Jesus proposed a parable to the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Thus far the words of the Holy Gospel.
0: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, good parable. Your thoughts on that, Matt?
1: Well, um, a couple of things. First off, our Lord spoke in parables so that his words would be applicable throughout all the rest of time. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than addressing yep. specific people and specific historic, historical situations, he gave us things that, you know, that you have to draw out the meaning. Sure. And, uh, you know, the mustard seed, I think that's one of the my favorite of the parables because it tells us the church starts small, it gets big.
0: <laughs> that's You hilarious. know,
1: and uh, I, I mentioned on No Nonsense Catholic a couple of weeks ago um, that the, the, the two main theological currents in the church at Vatican II, uh, Resource Mall, which is a return to the sources on the one hand and the aggiornamento or updating on the other, they were kind of these competing mm-hmm. theological ideas. That's one of the reasons that, that the documents of Vatican II are difficult to read because they're, both of these currents are being represented simultaneously and they don't always, you know, complement each other. <laughs>
0: That's for and sure. the
1: thing is, though, that while, while either one of those approaches, you know, can be entirely orthodox, they also, like any virtue, they're, you know, they can uh, sin by defect. Yeah. Resource, small return to the sources can become um you know the heresy of antiquarianism or right. archaeologism as price 12 called it or the same thing with the updating it and become just full-on modernism yes and and i i mentioned that it was like you look at this parable the the resource maw people when when you fall into antiquarianism you want to go back to the seed they don't like the big plant that the church has become they want to go back to the seed right. pretend like all these issues haven't been resolved yet right you know like whether or not women can be priests and so forth like that's all uh, an open question somehow, mm-hmm. and then you also have the, the the modernist crowd. They don't like the big plant either, but what they want to do is just cut it down and replace it with an artificial one uh, of their own making. Right, and and so I think this is a particularly um, important parable for us today to realize. No, the church has grown organically, and any legitimate development development in the church has to grow organically as well. Can't just be done. By by, you know, the fiat of someone in the hierarchy.
0: Well said, Matt. I also see this parable applying to our theme for today, which is expiation, mm-hmm. reparation for our leaders, the sanctification of the priesthood, the bishopry, all the way to the pope that we're praying for our leaders. As you know, Monsignor George Kelly said many years ago, "Where's the church going? Where its leaders take them?" And I always say that you know, a, a year when you pick your your employees, that is policy. So we have a yeah, personnel is, personnel policy, is right? policy. Thank you. And this is what we're dealing with right now. So I want to just mention St. Ignatius too, because it's his feast day. And right. think about what he did in 10 years after he was converted to his Catholic faith. And it was in Manresa, uh, where the cannonball that hit his knee, and uh, he was recovering. And what happened is he got bored to death, and the good nuns gave him a good book on the lives of the saints and uh, that uh got his attention about what was really important in life and i I, I think we still need that kind of thing because I, uh, i'm going to be reading i 'm going to be interviewing a person who uh, one holy book converted her back to her faith, and mm-hmm. uh, this is going on five hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Um, St. Alphonsus Ligoria, doctor of the church, said this, Only God knows how much good can come from one holy book.
1: So mm-hmm. I encourage yeah. our yeah.
0: listeners, keep reading. Keep reading the lives of the saints. They should inspire us because we need those models in the church today. We can't look back and say, oh, well, that's archaic, you know, St. Francis mm-hmm. or St. Ignatius. No, no, no. These men and women who lived holy lives are examples for us today. So Matt, I I also want to just bring up a fact before we take the quick break that there's a lot going on in the church to be praying for, but I wanted to uh, take a a minute here to bring in the smartest guy in the room, who's Fulton J. Sheen, Bishop Sheen, if I can bring him in on that train, that would be great. I guess the train's running late today. (laughs) It's Monday. I understand. Well, so I'll just say full Sheen ahead. I wanted to say this because some of the holiest cardinals in the church, Cardinal Seurat and Bishop Sheen, I could see those two sitting together and having a conversation. Well, Cardinal mm-hmm. Seurat just made a statement that ties right into our program about praying for priests, bishops, and popes. He said, We bishops ought to tremble at the thought of our guilty silence. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that. What What does he mean, guilty silence? Well, I'm just going to take a minute and take a shot at it. Matt, you can correct me. But I would think that most people who are bishops, priests, are really wanting to be silent because they know if they speak up, like what maybe a Bishop Joseph Strickland does, they might be canceled. And I Mm -hmm. think what Cardinal Serra is saying is don't worry about that because at your exit interview, uh, and we all have that, you're going to be accountable for your responsibility to teach, govern, and sanctify. Am I on to something?
1: I think you're on to something. Because of the axiom in, in canon law, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and it used to be, it should be an axiom in civil law as well, which is uh, silence betokens consent. Right. The reason the reason that they're, that there's they're silence is, you know, they're culpable sure. is because it gives the impression right. that they're on board with all the things that are going on in the world because they refuse to speak out against it. It's it's a sin of omission, yep. but an important one because it's not it's not merely failing to do it. It's apparently giving uh, consent or endorsement to things that are frankly, you know, against the deposit of
0: faith. Wow. When we come back, I feel like this is going to be one of the most important topics that we can share with our listeners because they can participate in the salvific work of Christ. And that is reparation and expiation. I'm going to give an explanation of how uh, this works with our prayers. And I know everybody hears me say Our Lady of Fatima said this at the end of every Terry and Jesse show, but I Mm -hmm. want to go into the theological explanation so that I think our listeners can grasp it really clear and uh, really move into that. There'll be much more of that when we come back. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. My good friend Matt Arnold filling in for Jesse today. When we come back, what is expiation? What is reparation? And how can we apply it to Holy Mother the Church today? Much, much more after that. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us, family. Welcome back, indeed, to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold filling in for Jess Romero. Matt, if there's one topic I get excited about, even as a child, I understood redemptive suffering. Now, as I developed, it was formed by the Opus Angelorum, the work of the Holy Angels through through newsletters, through my formation letters as my as I went along, I really bought into this idea that I could participate in saving souls. And, you know, through the saints they have told us that. And I, I think that message isn't as clear as it might have been 50 years ago. So I want mm-hmm. to just give a little term, the term expiation or reparation. Can in a secular language mean the fulfillment of punishment due to guilt by involuntary suffering, a chastisement? By stark contrast, here's a biblical view. The biblical and Christian meaning of expiation <laughs> includes voluntary suffering. Christian expiation is a form of voluntary reparation inspired by love, seeking to pay for the debts that result from the offenses against God. I just thought that was so well said. Now, as we have seen, sin causes a grave disorder in our relationship between God and man. It refuses God our preferential love. In mortal sin, the disorder yes to creatures and to myself is so radical as to be inseparable from a deep aversion to God. Now, to repair this grave disorder to pay the debt caused by sin, we must turn things around. We need to give an even more generous yes in order to counteract the no of sin. We must turn to God instead away from Him because of original sin, Growth in virtue requires steady effort along an uphill road. I I always knew that. I was so disappointed in that because I I like the natural oh, gifts, you know, where you don't have to work Mm -hmm. for it. But when we add (laughs) personal sin to our fallen state, this struggle becomes even more difficult. For to sin is like running down a hill. It's easy. Isn't that a good analogy? I've run downhill all Mm -hmm. the time. But to turn around and climb up the hill, to strive for the heights of righteousness and virtue— Great analogy. The road becomes very steep and demands more labor and self-denial than if one had never sinned. This arduous of this ascent applies to us to the practice of expiatory love and the virtue of religion, both when we do so for our own sins as well as when we do for the salvation of souls. So to help them climb up again, we need to give ourselves willing to labor and sacrifice for them in these words. And here it comes. We need to practice selfless love. Therefore, the uh, exploratory love manifests itself. Greater love provided by deeds. And here's the last thing I'll say, Matt, and I'll turn it to you. Let us remember Jesus' words right in the gospel. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It is clear that renouncing ourselves and saying yes to Christ, taking up our cross, and following him implies labor and suffering since it is contrary to our inclination of pleasure and self-gratification. Such a yes to God is, in one sense, a no to ourselves, since we must deny our own inclinations. You see how that works? He says, and we need Uh to point out that it's not merely a matter of sinful inclinations, Matt, but it's also the generous renunciation of legitimate goods truly proportionate to our nature. See, we don't hear enough of that. We can produce and measure for a time, for example, deny ourselves good foods or a certain amount of <clears throat> sleep and the spirit of reparation. And in another very real sense, uh, expiatory love is a yes to ourselves on a higher level. For as our Lord reminds us, whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the, and the gospel will save it. That's Mark chapter 8. I'm going to turn it over to you, Matt, but I think this is the setting of how we as Catholics can help Holy Mother the Church by our prayers.
1: Amen. Uh, if you go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. uh, it's paragraph 1459. Yeah. Uh, it says there that the reparation is an important aspect of seeking forgiveness and reconciliation uh, for us, you know, not only with God, but with each other. Yeah. And so to, to make reparation means to to seek to repair the harm that's and been yeah. caused by my actions. Yep. And uh, and acknowledging and taking responsibility for the wrongs that I've done and then trying to make some effort to make things right. Right. But again, according to the catechism of the Catholic Church in 1460 of the very next paragraph, yes, it says that it's possible to make reparation for the sins of others. Yes. Through through penance uh, and and acts of charity. And penance, you know, uh, prayer, alms giving and uh um Fasting. Fasting. Thank yeah, you. fasting. These are the ways. Like you say, you, you give up something um, that's, that's uh, legitimate. Yes. Right. In order to strengthen yourself, to be able to give up yeah. uh, things that are not. And also to you know, be able to, to make reparation, to say, I'm going to give this, I'm going to offer this suffering yep. in expiation of. And, and the things. it's important to understand, of course, that we cannot atone for the sins of others. Right. Uh, not directly. Sin. I can't atone for that no. sin. But I can offer my prayers and my sacrifices to God and ask that His mercy and grace be poured out on them. Exactly. You nailed it. And, and, and more importantly, you know, we make up for the offenses against uh, our good Lord, against the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yep. You know, By uniting our suffering and our acts of reparation with the sacrifice of Christ, we actually participate in His redemptive work. If you think about that for a minute. That's a powerful. The implications one. are astounding. Well, you know, and and our prayers are reparation. It can have a positive effect on the conversion, even the salvation of others. You know, through our intercession and our offering, we're cooperating with God's grace. We bring healing and reconciliation for for those who have sinned. And and finally, just, you know, making reparation for the sins of others. Like I said, it doesn't absolve them of their personal responsibility uh, or replace their need for individual repentance. But because we're all accountable for our own actions. And and we have to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And that includes priests and bishops. Yes. However, we, you know, while we can't directly atone for the sins of others, we can offer our prayers, our penance, our acts of charity on their behalf. And through that, our participation in Christ's redemptive work, our reparation can have a real and positive impact on the conversion and the salvation of others on the, the restoration of the church. I'll say this final thing. Mm-hmm. St. Paul says in, in Colossians one twenty four, yes. <laughs> I rejoice at the at my present suffering for you. Yes, and in my body I make up for the sufferings that uh, you know are lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. Now, or the sufferings of Christ. Obviously, there's nothing lacking in the sufferings of Christ in regard to our redemption. You know, for the redemption of all people. Right. But we form a single reality with Him. We are we are the body of Christ. We complete the Paschal mystery. And precisely as you said, I do that by denying myself yes. and taking up my cross right. every day.
0: Well said. I was going to give that Colossians chapter. Thank you, Matt. I want to give a story of how this actually works and on, because people will understand a story even more than my explanation of theology. Sure, hit I it. give the story about the miraculous medal. This, back, this happened back right after World War II where a gentleman was walking down a country road after Germany was beaten up by the Allies during war, the war. And he heard some... Uh, people screaming, ladies, help, help, help. There was a little boy drowning in a pond. And, of course, what happens? Uh, he runs over there and he says, well, nobody knows how to swim to save the little boy's life. He's drowning. So the man swims out there and grabs the kid and revives him. And, you know, okay, he's, he survived. He didn't drown. Well, the mother was so excited and happy. She said, can I give you some money? And the guy said, I don't need any money. She says, well, can I feed you a good meal? Yeah. So we gave him a great meal, right? Then he's going to leave. And the woman says, well, before you leave, can I take this miraculous medal off my son's neck and put it on your neck as a way of commemorating you for saving my son's life? And uh, I said, yeah, no problem. That's fine. You can do that. Well, obviously, the woman prayed for that man for the rest of his life because he saved her son's life. So mm-hmm. he ends up going to Brazil, which a lot of Germans migrated there after the war. And unfortunately, this man became an alcoholic on the streets of Brazil, even though she was been praying for him for years, right? Making expiation and reparation for him. And now he's in a hospital, but he's dying because his liver's shot from all the alcohol. The good sisters are there. They're trying to convert this guy, saying, hey, you need to make your peace with God. The doc says your liver's gone. He won't be with us more than a day or two. And the Mm -hmm. man said, get out of here. I'm not interested. So when the sisters went home to the convent, they went to Mother Superior and said, Mother, what can we do for this man? He's, he's, he's stubborn. He doesn't want to hear about you know, making his peace with God. Mother says, Well, you remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. We, he needs to have the graces to say yes to Christ, and your prayers and your self denial here can do that. So you need to, all you girls, start making sacrifices for that soul who's going to be meeting God in a couple days. And by the way, there's a newly ordained priest from Germany who speaks German, obviously. Send that priest over to talk to him. Okay, mother, we'll do that. They made all the prayers and sacrifices for this man and then sent the priest over to meet the gentleman who's dying. And the priest speaks German to him. And he says, father, he says, hey, nice to meet you. He says, I noticed you got a medal around your neck. Did your mother give it to you? No. He said, father, a long time ago in Germany, after the war, I was walking down a road and by golly, young boy was drowning and no one knew how to swim. So I went out there and saved his life. And the mother gave me this medal. And the priest says, what? That was me. You saved my life. And the man that's getting ready to die, bad liver, says, father, I'm so glad it was you. And the priest says, yeah, me too. And then (laughs) after they hugged each other, the gentleman that was going to die in a day or two from the uh, problems with his liver had the grace, and the graces were there for him to say, Father, will you hear my confession? And by golly, the priest who he saved his life when he was a little boy heard the man's confession who saved that priest's life. Now that's an example of reparation, expiation, prayer for a sinner, and that was the fruit of it, was the confession. So I want to encourage, when we come back from the break, Matthew, more mm-hmm. ways of you know stepping up to the plate, because we have a lot of Problems in our church, where our leaders are doing things like, for example, i'll just leave you on one. Father James Martin is going to address the youth at World Youth Day. Now, this is a man who openly says the Bible is wrong when it comes to homosexuality, that it should be a, a it's a, a loving thing to do, uh, and he's wrong. The Bible's right, the church has been right for two thousand years, and he's going to teach to our youth that's a problem, big problem, that's a scandal. Now, what can we do? We're not in management. We're in sales, Matt. Last time I looked, but you Mm -hmm. know what we can do? We can pray for Father James Martin's conversion to the, the faith because that man, when he was ordained, made a promise. Like you made a promise, Matthew, at your wedding. I did too, that I'd be faithful to my wife. Well, he made a promise to the deposit of faith saying, I will proclaim the deposit of faith. Out of charity, Christian charity, you and I and our listeners, can pray for Father James Martin, not get mad and say, oh, isn't it terrible? Mm. Yeah, that's one attitude. I prefer the attitude of gratitude that says, Father Martin, I love you enough. I'm going to go make a holy hour for you. I'm going to pray a rosary today for you. I'm going to deny myself something legitimate because I want to see you get to heaven and I don't want to see you corrupt our youth. That's the explanation that I would encourage our listeners. And Matt, when we come back, I'd like to ask you to tell us what concretely we're doing here at VMPR to encourage that very thing. Yes, Matt Arnold, Terry Barber, we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too <laughs> anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Matt Arnold, Terry Barber, hey, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more to inspire you while deep in love. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jesse on this fine Monday, uh, the 31st of July. This is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, one of the great saints of our church, the spiritual exercises. You might want to look it up on Google and see what those classic spiritual exercises are and how it could help you fall deep in love with Jesus. Matthew, why don't you tell our listeners what you and I have been working on since last week about um, expiation, reparation, and how we're uh, going to set up a, I think, a simple conference coming up in September and uh, much more. So if I'm going to turn the mic over to you to share that.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I guess uh, letting this out sort of as a as a teaser, going to yeah. spend the next few weeks uh, dialing down all of the uh, details. But uh, it's really um, a call to make reparation for the sanctification of the clergy, for, yeah. for our priests and bishops and the Holy Father. So. You mentioned the, the event on the 2nd of September, which is the first Saturday mm-hmm. in September. Um, some of our listeners and uh, uh, you and me and uh, and Mary Danielle are, are going to gather at Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. And we'll get a time up on the on the website, you know, uh, as soon as possible. It's you know 12 noon doing. to so,
0: 3. So we'll start with the. OK, Angeles. 12 noon to 3. Well, yep. there you go.
1: Perfect. So, so we're going to start with some presentations. And then we're going to make a holy hour of reparation uh, for the sanctification of priests. And the, the, the idea behind this is to kind of inaugurate the, uh, the or maybe restore the traditional First Thursday devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was also known as the act of reparation to the wounds of Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. And this is a practice that was promoted by uh, St. Margaret Mary Alaco, Father Matteo. So going back to the 17th century, mm-hmm. since the 19th century, it's been offered specifically for the sanctification of the clergy. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? We just need right. to go back to the to the uh, pre-Vatican II shelf and dust this off, yep. you know, and, and put it back into practice, so that we can you know help uh, uh, turn the tide on this. And really, it's you know making reparation. What are we making reparation for? Well, you know, you look at the the recent and and let's face it, scandalous yeah. promotion of heterodox clergy and the ongoing persecution of loyal priests and bishops who are dedicated to the positive faith yep so we have you know um, um, the, the, the sins and shortcomings of some clergy and the ones committed against other clergy we're going to make reparation for that we're going to take the bull by the horns on this and and make this holy hour of reparation it's going to be uh prayers including i think uh, maybe a prayer from Pius XI. 11th that's so we right get a whole did a whole encyclical on this yeah okay so like i say this this is not something that we just pulled out of thin air that we invented it's you know um you said i think we should do this and i went back you know just looking into the tradition of the church and lo and behold Here it was. you know <laughs> there it was <laughs> and of course you know terry i know that you um and uh, at sacred heart chapel yes you make reparation or not or uh make um Prayer yes. for priests and bishops every Thursday. That's
0: right. That's right. And and
1: now the first Thursday will be dedicated especially to make these prayers of reparation.
0: Yeah, we're just you know. Yeah, Matthew, you're 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 speaking. Uh, what we always did when there was a crisis, we always went with prayer, and you know we yep. had that gospel that the the uh, today uh, about the seed and mustard seed, and it's, again we're just a little seed. We're going to plant it in. Covina, California. My wife, you and I will be there doing our thing. We've uh we've got a John Henry Weston from Lifesight. He did a video for me on this. I've got a video from Doug Barry, our good friend, who's on everybody knows from the show. We have him on often. And basically, we want to multiply this not just at our historic Sacred Heart Chapel. You can mm-hmm. take the videos from YouTube our, from our full sheen ahead YouTube channel and just play them for your rosary group or your Bible study group, or you can play it in your church when you're making your holy hour. I mean, the point I'm trying, your holy hour of power for uh, for reparation for the sacrileges that have been going on in the church. Think of this, Matthew, the sexual abuse problem. I know the Holy Father's going to World Youth Day, and and in Portugal there's a big secular article about you know thousands of Children have been abused by priests in Portugal, and that's Mm -hmm. putting a damper on World Youth Day. Scandal is one of the big obstacles into evangelization, and I wanted to just say that we need to have a response. And I get Mm -hmm. too many people, Matt. Probably you do too. I get calls because you know I put my phone out on the uh, radio, and they're upset about this guy did this, that guy did. Like if Father Martin addressing the world youth day that's ridiculous but don't get mad pray our first response right. is and i'm i'm pointing at it at myself because i've gotten mad when i see things that go on in the church sure and i just go oh my god that's pathetic how could they do that how in the world can the pacha mama do this or you know but you know what right. my response is okay i got i got a church i can go visit jesus in the blessed sacrament um i'm gonna go pray i'm gonna get my rosary beads out I'm going to pray, I'm going to think about the scripture. And um, I know what I, what I believe about my faith because I've been formed. Let's pray for those mm-hmm. in our leaders in our church who are responsible to pass that on to our flock that seemed to not be doing it at the time because of these scandals. Then we can participate in the proclamation of the of the gospel through our prayers. And that's what I want to invite our listeners to do whether you do it with us at the Sacred Heart Chapel or you do it at home, or you have. I mean, I get calls from halfway around the world who listen to us, uh, you know, in Thailand. That was one that just got wow, and wow. And, and they like our show and they're going to be praying these prayers of reparation. That's right,
1: that's right. You know, Father Mateo, uh, specifically said that if you can't, you know, if you can't do it at the church, yeah, you know, and, there, and there's any number of reasons, maybe you, you physically can't go. Uh, or you know the, your church isn't open on Thursdays or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be on Thursday, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't have to be in the church. I mentioned Father Mateo and He said you know if you if you can't do it in the church, do it at home. Right. If you can't do it in a group, do it by yourself. You know the point is to do it. And that's why we're going to you know making these materials. Uh, you mentioned doing a video. I think we'll that's probably right. also have a uh, yep like a PDF that you can download. We will we'll have the these prayers, prayers preparation yep. that you can and you don't have to pray. what well, you choose. The ones that that That's you right. find uh, that work for you, and 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 pray those, and pray your own prayers as well. At time of silence, it's about spending time with our Lord, um, either in front of the tabernacle or at least in spirit, and offering those prayers of reparation.
0: And you know, Matthew, I'll give an example of reparation that needs to be made. We have uh, thirty-four Catholic churches that are closing August first in the St. Louis, Missouri diocese. Sad. There's some beautiful churches, and I see the article here, and I I think of this as uh, these people have been there, some of them, 95 years. They started novena nights, and they never let go of those novenas, There now the church is closing, uh, the lack of vocations, they, they can't staff the parishes with priests, and it's just horrible, right, to see these churches being sold mm-hmm. off. I have a friend in the Gary Diocese in near Chicago. They sold off 45 churches and um they just gave them to whoever would give any money, $10, 50, you know, hundreds of dollars just because as long as you keep it as a church because of the repair work, who is going to spend the money to do this? My point is tying it into reparation. This is tragic when the people and our, you know, past uh, people who built these churches for the worship of God and now are being closed and sold off to whoever. It might be a restaurant. It could be anything.
1: And right, yeah. There
0: needs to be reparation for that also. Now, you know, and I'll just encourage people, we bought the Sacred Heart Church 20-some years ago in Covina, and the Melkites and the uh, uh, Maronites, we've had people renting from us for funerals to pay for the cost of the upkeep. So if there's someone out there who says, I'm in St. Louis, what can I do? Well, maybe you can purchase the church. And and talk to me about how do you get a revenue stream with renting it out for funerals and things like that, Kenson? Weddings and... and, Yeah, uh, and and pay for the expense because this is God's house in the sense it was dedicated and consecrated to offer the holy sacrifice of the mass and we're just going to turn these things over. I think that's tragic, so that's why prayer needs to be made. And again, think of the lack of prayers... That, and I 'll just say be real clear, Matthew, reparation in 1965, I remember we wrote the letter, <laughs> it was the statistics of 75 percent of Catholics were going to Holy Mass every Sunday. Now I'm not talking about 2023 as, you know after the pandemic, yeah, we're probably down to what 12 percent or something, 13 percent of Catholics are going to mass. I 'm going back to just the year 2000. And it was down to, right. like, what, 30%?
1: 23. 23%. Yeah. So. It is, yeah, the idea that it, it, it flip-flopped. So 75% of Catholics yeah. were going to Mass beforehand, and after 75% of Catholics were not going to
0: Mass. So think of the graces <clears throat> that people are not receiving because they're not worshiping God at Holy Mass. Right. Because of whatever reason, I think lack of catechesis, if they knew what was at, what was in the church and they were convicted of it, they would never miss a Sunday mass because that's what happens to me. I know what happens at the at the high altar, and I want to be there, present at that one eternal sacrifice. But you know, statistically, Matt, we saw it on the real presence. Reparation needs right. to be made for that. What is it? Sixty, seventy percent of Catholics.
1: Yeah, we're talking about the ones that actually still go
0: to church. Yeah, the Pew Research ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the ones that still yeah, go to not, church. Not
1: the seventy-five percent that are staying home, but the. Yeah. the, the you know the the yeah. the, 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 the remnant still the going. Choir, so a speak. majority of them.
0: Yes. Yeah. See, and this is because no, that, that's scary. yeah, it's scary because how do you hang on to something that you look at it as the Optimus Club or the Boys Club? See. Well, Catholic- and it,
1: it, 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 it uh, speaks directly to what you mentioned at the top of the uh, segment that um, you know that, that the practice of religion across the board is just plummeting
0: Yeah. It's not. But,
1: it's not just the Catholic Church.
0: Right. When we come back from the break, we can talk a little bit about that reparation that needs to be made. Think about this, the last 25 years, and we have about 330 million people in America, 11% of the people in the last 25 years stopped practicing the church, going to church. That's 40 million people who are now living as secular people. Wow, let's talk about that, how we can bring those back to the church through our prayers, and our good example, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I want to encourage you to join us in this effort of reparation and action. Stay with us. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show. What's our goal? To inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. It's actually Matt Arnold and Terry Barber. Matt filling, <laughs> filling in for Jess. Matt, I wanted to mention over the weekend, um, we we got a couple generous donors who put up $5,000 for matching funds. So any of our listeners, if you feel like you want to I mean, we're trying to the summer clump, uh, slump right now. We could use some funding. If you'd like to write a $100 check, it becomes $200. If you want to even write a $25 check, it's $50, up to $5,000. So if you want to do that, you can call us at 877-526-215 or go online to vmpr.org. Or I take calls. I, I love taking your donation because I, I want to personally thank you that way. You can call me at six six one nine seven two seven eight seven two and Matt before we get into our topic, I want to also plug again the Fulton Sheen a day with Bishop Sheen on the fourteenth mm-hmm. of October coming up quickly, and uh, I think anybody who listens to the Terry and Jesse show know we have a great love for Fulton Sheen. I was at his funeral mm-hmm. you know forty five years ago, and if you're interested in hearing more about. Bishop Sheen's writings will cover that, but more importantly, I'm really wanting to cover the issue of his beatification. You'll want to know about that and how what we can do to participate. We're getting people to sign a petition for the Holy See to show that there are lay people that are motivated to see this happen. Uh, Matt, before we, and in one more little plug, uh, we've got our September 2nd event of reparation. We start on 12 noon and end at the 3 o'clock hour with the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Uh, you're welcome to just come and there's no fee or anything. You just pray with us. That'll be the 2nd of September. Also, before that, August 28th, 29th, and 30th, <clears throat> the Opus Angelorum, three priests will be here. Can you imagine going to a mission with three priests? You get to go to confession. <laughs> plenty. And it starts Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 5.30 in the in the afternoon, that's when confessions go. We have Holy Mass, we have conferences. This is what I call a spiritual workout. So I want to encourage people to come to that. Um, I also want to just say this, Matthew. Our world and our culture has gone wrong in many ways. You know that. The great that's darkness great. could only grow so strong because those who are called to be children of light and hear... The first of all, is our pastors. That's why we're praying for them. If they don't live up to their calling, therefore the crisis in the world and in the church is essentially a crisis of the priesthood. The priestly vocation is most sublime, and therefore in many ways, it is also most difficult to live up to. And it's certainly subjected to the most vile attacks. The remedy for priestly laxity is Christ's encounter in the sacrifice of the Mass and the Blessed Sacrament. This is a statement I really truly believe. All graces given to man, the angels and the physical creation, originate ultimately in the Holy Eucharist. So, the crisis in the priesthood, the shortage of vocations, has its roots in the lack of Eucharistic priests. There are priests who do not believe in the real presence. A large number of priests certainly believe in the real presence. Maybe even preach about it, but relatively few put the Mass and the Eucharist at the center of their lives. It is not lack of close connection with between the offering of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and their personal lives that behind their lukewarmness and failure in the apostolate. The Holy Cure of ours said this. This is John Vianney. The cause of priestly laxity is not paying attention to the Mass. That's the saint. I didn't say it. Mm. I just happened to agree with him.
1: Right. You're well, saying. you know, Terry, I I know that it's on the heart of a lot of lay people who put the Eucharist and the mass at the center of their life. Amen. That it that it is. Um,
0: Try. Right, yeah. You know,
1: it's it's disheartening when you go to uh, mass and it's pretty clear yeah. that the one celebrating it is, is not on the same page, you know?
0: Yeah. I've been there. Yep. Yeah. Great. And, and, and it's, it's tough,
1: but you know, we, we looked at the gospel for today. Yes. And, uh, also, in today's reading, there's an Old Testament reading, and it's from uh, um, the Book of Exodus. Yes, Moses. It's you know after yeah, it's Moses going up after you know that incident with the golden calf. Oh yeah, <laughs> going going back up the mountain to talk to God, is saying, "Look, if I can atone, for, you know, if I can do something, yeah, let me do it. And if I can't, strike me out of the Book of Life. See, that's the kind of priest you're looking for.
0: That's sacrificial.
1: Yeah, that that's a, that is a man who I mean, it's. Just, that's many, many centuries before canon law, oh you know, millennia before canon law. Yep. But, you know, he understood that salus anumarum suprema lex, the salvation of souls is the supreme law. That's the most yep. important thing. As you often say, if, if souls are being saved, everything's being saved. If they're not being saved, everything's lost.
0: Yep. Yep. Well said, Matt. Uh, you know, Matthew, this is so important that our listeners and even we we know the, you know the way the, the the leaders of our church need prayer. I always say we're not in management; we're in sales. Mm-hmm. We are promoting the gospel, but we don't make the decisions for the, the uh, clergy. They they make their own. We have the pope, we have the bishops, we have a hierarchical church. Okay, so it's not popular vote. Right, and I think we need to remember that, especially with this Senate coming up in October. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to say that that has nothing yeah. to do with the teachings of the church in the sense that if people vote on something, that has not that is so um, democratic and but the church is not a dem- democracy. <clears throat> it's that's a hierarchy, it. and it it teaches what God teaches, and that's what's more important than anything else. Other than any any man or woman can say. So here's my point. What can we do? We got people who get really frustrated that the church is really in trouble, and they get mad and they leave. No, that's not the way to go. Stop, you know, leaving because of a Judas. You can't, because we Mm -hmm. worship who? I have a crucifix, for those who aren't seeing it, in my hand. Jesus Christ is who we worship. We don't worship the Pope, the bishops, the cardinals. And so when they do... Even the church. Even the church. It's Jesus Christ. So remember, we have that hierarchy. And so even if somebody teaches something even if it's the Pope, he can't change what we call the deposit of faith because Mm -hmm. that's given to us by God. And I want to remind you, we can get mad or we can pray and we can have peace. See, I believe most people want a peaceful life. And the only way you're going to find peace is in Jesus Christ. No other. I don't even say big government. You know, no, big government will not give you peace. Mm -hmm. They might give you a check every month, but at your exit interview, it's useless. Yeah, Only where we're going to get our pieces in Jesus Christ. Matt? Yeah, well, you know,
1: uh, end of the day, it does, uh, I mean, you, there are, my brain filled with so many things while you were talking there. <laughs> I'm you, sorry. You, cover, you covered so much. I, <laughs> you know, I My mind is caroming around. But it's, it's like one of the things I'm going to talk about on my show next week, and, or it? this week rather. Yeah, this Wednesday. By the way, for those of you listening on radio are not vmpr uh listeners uh we do have a website vmpr.org we're on all of the podcast platforms we have actually a variety of shows mm-hmm. my show follows the terry and jesse show every wednesday yep it's called no nonsense catholic and one of the things that i'm going to cover this week mm-hmm. is you know it goes right to the crux of what we're talking about that when the apostles came to jesus they asked him exactly what you would want to ask terry mm-hmm. are there few who are saved yes and and he responded with that, that very famous oh. uh, quote about there is a broad way that leads to destruction yep. and there are many on it and there's a narrow way that leads to salvation there few few yeah. find it and, and you know I I'm, I may be treading on in oh, dangerous waters right now but when when the church says what we need to do is accompany people on the broad road but don't tell them about the narrow one that's that that's a that's a, a, an incalculable. Uh, error at least it potentially. it is no and it's like when you say we, oh, we want kids to come to World Youth Aid, but we're not trying to convert anybody yeah that's
0: ridiculous right which is
1: the the, the cardinal in charge of World Youth they said that you know no it, that, that subverts the actual purpose John Paul II instituted World Youth Day precisely right. so that you, you say it every every day that's so right. that those young people would fall deeper in love with Christ amen that they would that they would well deepen said. their their relationship. Or if they don't have a relationship, that they would find one. Yes. That's the purpose of World Youth Day. And if you just say, no, it's just a big party, then, then why spend the money? Why waste the time?
0: <laughs> Folks, now you know why I want you to listen to Matthew's <laughs> show on Wednesdays, right after the Terry and Jesse show. Now, I uh, yeah. I, I recommend it, and I'll tell you why. It's no-nonsense Catholicism. I, I know Matthew doesn't have a Ph.D. in theology, but he's got a Ph.D. in common sense, and he lays out things in the church that you go, you know, He's right, and I think it would help you, encourage you to have a deeper faith in Jesus Christ. And right now, we all need that.
1: We do, we do. I, I, I try and stay above the fray, but things have come to a pass now. Yeah, I've just noticed there are so many of our of our mm-hmm. you know what you would call our conservative Novus Ordo brethren. Yeah, who who have you know stepped across the line, who have said, okay, you know, it, this far and no farther. Yeah, and and, and the, the last straw may be different for for one or another of them, but it mm-hmm. is surprising how many um, really you know people whose whose bona fides for orthodoxy are just impeccable, yeah, and who are you know who are there's no doubt of any kind that they are in quote unquote full communion with the church, yeah, right. These are people who have who've have been writing and and commenting for for decades, some of them, and and very much always in line with uh, the teaching of the church and therefore in line with the Holy See. And then, you know, something has changed. Yeah. To the point that enough of them are going, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. I have to tell the truth as I see it on this.
0: Yeah. And again, what I would encourage you all of us, I do this every day in my own prayer life. I ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. You You need to to do that. It's something that he gives. Critical.
1: It's a pure gift. I've got a catechism from 1928. It says faith is a pure gift from God. That's right. So it is a gift for which you
0: must always pray. Amen. And I want to ask one more thing our listeners can do. The married couples, renew your marriage vows often. You know, John Paul II said this, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. I mean, in all this chaos going on in the world and in the church, you keep your family focused on Jesus Christ. And how do you do Mm -hmm. that? Go ahead, Matthew.
1: Well, oh, I was just going to say we had a, we have a new priest in our parish, a yep. new young Norbertine. Yeah. And uh, and he was giving first blessings after mass. Yes, good. Yesterday, and and Betty and I knelt down together as a married couple, gave awesome. a blessing together. That's the way to do it. No, that is the way to do it.
0: Matthew Arnold, if you were Jesse, you know what I'd ask Jesse. What state should we be living in, brother?
1: That that would be the state of grace,
0: my yep. brother. And
1: stay out of that state of mortal sin Amen and how do you do that
0: by frequenting the sacraments being there before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the blessed sacrament and you know I'm going to talk about Our Lady of Fatima because she Mm. said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices join us in our prayer vigil September 2nd at the Sacred Heart Chapel where we're going to do just that we're going to pray for the for the Holy Priesthood and we know that that's critically important in the church, because where your leaders go is where the church goes. Thank you again for joining us, and thank you for having a prayerful response to this petition of prayer and reparation. May God richly bless you. Amen.